Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast AFC Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's happy week eight, everybody. Coming to you, not live, but recording on this lovely Wednesday afternoon. As always, joining me, PFF Analyst, host of the Unexpected Points Podcast, all around smart, good guy, Kevin Cole himself. What's up, Kevin? I'm doing well. Although, okay, I'm going to let the audience um, behind the curtain a little bit here. And... um, I, I did about three and a half hours of podcasting yesterday, a couple of podcast appearances, my own podcast. Now we're probably going to – we'll get close to three hours today with a couple of different podcasts. I got to say, my chair, not great. Not great. <laughs> like I need a better – I got some little neck stiffness going on here. So just so the audience knows, you know, podcasting, this can happen. This is – it's, it's I, I call it like a – like grade, like a hamstring, maybe hamstring pull where you let the adrenaline flow. You try to play through it, but there could be certain moments where I tighten up a bit. So I just want everyone to know that, you know, it's not just adoring fans and adulation on social media and groupies and everything else when it comes to podcasting. There's a mental and a physical toll sometimes also that comes with it. I did see a random uh, tweet from Dr. Evan Porras one time. He said that posture is apparently overrated. So uh, feel better, Mm. Kevin. Play through the pain, hurt not injured. And with that, let's get into the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills, five and one, number one ranked scoring offense, number two ranked scoring defense. Is this just like, do you really think it is tier 1A, 1B with the Chiefs and Bills, Kevin? Or is it the Bills and everyone else at this point? No, it's definitely the Bills and everyone else. I mean, just for a pure... Let's get into the nerd shit here. Like our power rankings, and I think it's the case if you look at the markets now um, when you look at point spreads. I mean, the Bills are a 10-point favorite against the Green Bay Packers, right, this week. I mean, the Packers kind of low-key stink, but there's still Aaron Rodgers there, right? Um, So if you look at the, the power rankings, it's the Bills. Then it's a couple of points down to the Chiefs. Then it's like a point and a half down to everyone else, according to our rankings, with the Eagles being next. You know, so you could put maybe the Eagles in the same tier as the Chiefs, but it's closer. The Chiefs are closer to the Eagles than they are to the Bills at this point. So the Bills are really uh, alone by themselves. As Kevin mentioned, Buffalo home versus Green Bay on Sunday night, 10 and a half point favorites, game total at 47 and a half. Obviously, just, just got- for that line, just for that line, it was four and a half in the offseason. The look ahead, look ahead. It was eight, I think, just last week, and now it's up to ten and a half. So that's just flying through key numbers. I don't necessarily disagree with them, and we'll talk no, more about it's the hard. Packers. Like, how can you have one. any faith in the Packers right now? Hundred percent. So, look, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and even Gabriel Davis at this point. Like, just I, I don't want to live life where you're just constantly checking on Gabriel Davis with him on your fantasy bench. That has to be absolutely terrifying. Unfortunately, Isaiah McKenzie was splitting things with Khalil Shakur, and he. I mean, that was just straight up a bad game from Isaiah McKenzie against the Chiefs before the bye. So can't really ride that train. What's interesting with Devin Singletary, man, is you look at him this year and actually uh, week six was the first time that Zach Moss was a completely healthy scratch, which helps matters. But with Singletary, they've had three games this year where they've won by 21, 34, and 35 points, just blowouts. He has not hit 60% snaps in those games. Three more games where they've won, you know, won by three, four points, and then lost by two, 73%, 88%, 86% snap rates. Do you see this continuing, Kevin, or do we get the heralded, the much-anticipated post-buy rookie bump with James Cook? Because, again, if we take Zach Moss out of the equation, we can live with two RB backfields, three, four, when things obviously get much more mobile. Yeah, I think we're – I mean, that's the – we've had ceiling outcomes for Singletary – And we've gotten good, but it's not like we're winning league type of performance from him anyway. No, I think they have to get Cook involved. I mean, they spent a second round pick on him. This is not even a third round, fourth round, whatever sort of pick on him. So, yeah, I expect Cook to be more involved. And the way that offense rolls, the way Josh Allen rolls, the way we like it to roll, quite honestly, is let's not use the running backs too much. Let's use those other guys. Let's throw the ball down the field. And what I would say, I know you mentioned the you know Isaiah McKenzie and trying to figure out what's going to happen there in some ways I would be hoping for a ceiling like a better ceiling maybe for Khalil Shakir honestly because I don't see how you keep the guy out of some sort of rotation and maybe the real upside case here is that he phases out Isaiah McKenzie and he becomes an every down type of guy that you know, it's not a high probability sort of thing, but I feel like that is the highest probability combined with upside that you might see going forward. 
he's a pretty solid bench stash. Usually the handcuff wide yeah. receivers aren't nearly as, you know, reliable as the running backs and stuff, but just looking at it, I mean, it's not the same thing as like a sky Moore in Kansas city where you have the annoying Justin Watson still hanging around and stuff like that. Khalil Shakur. And I think to a slightly lesser extent, James cook, not the worst guys to have there. And especially yes. in it deeper leagues, because Hey, if we do see some of that usage changing that our guy, Nathan Yankees tweeting out every Sunday night, once we get that, both those guys are going to be at the top of every waiver wire column. Your second place, five and two, New York Jets facing the Patriots this week. Patriots still getting the benefit of doubt, one and a half point favorites. I don't think the Jets have been favored in any of these games that they've won here over the last uh, four weeks. Zach WWW Wilson just rolling. That said, game total still 40 and a half. I actually, like, usually, Kevin, you're the one pissing off a bunch of fan bases. I had Jets Nation mad at me this week. I uh, tweeted out a video of Zach Wilson saying it's Zach Wilson time, quote by Zach Wilson, showing some of these ridiculously athletic to an extent plays. He's dodging a lot of open pressure, a lot of sacks, making making the sort of plays, and I'm not kidding, making the sort of plays that we see Mahomes make. But the difference is it's the first half of the play that Mahomes makes, like get, avoiding the pressure, actually completing the pass, actually making a good decision. That's where things have fallen off. And it's honestly hysterical sometimes watching Wilson pull off, like, again, some truly awesome feats here. And then just it's like the no, no, no. But instead of the yes, it's just like, no, God, no. Like it just never really gets better out there. So, hey. He's had some banged up receivers now. Elijah Moore asked for a trade. The offensive line, you know, looked good on paper to start the year, but now they're uh, turning into a walking graveyard themselves. Overall thoughts on the Zach Wilson experience, Kevin, because, again, I'm a sucker for a quarterback that makes a lot of bad decisions out there because it's fun to watch. Obviously, Jets faithful 5-2. and two, They're hoping that he can actually, you know, be a good real-life quarterback as well, even if that's not always the top question on my mind. Yeah, you didn't even have the the like cartwheel fumble that got called back, <laughs> if I remember correct, correctly, as part of that. Which I'm not even sure how that got overruled. At least I, I wasn't watching it closely, so uh, I don't know. Um, so that number two, Ian, never clarify, never apologize on these things, okay? <laughs> because you're not getting any credit. Because then you're just going to get like Jets fans. They're going to be like, "Oh, sick backpedal or some <laughs> some nonsense like like that." You're going to have that dog doing the backpedaling <laughs> in there like a hundred times. No one ever gives credit for apologizing. So double down, if anything. My bad. That. Hand up. My bad. Call me out. I appreciate <laughs> it. Someone's got to keep me honest, Kevin. And then uh, number three, Zach Wilson. I think Jets fans kind of realize that he's not good. Like, he's probably not good. I, I've sensed that. They are out of defense mode, and it's more like if Brees Hall was still there, then they could have, like, the Brees Hall, it's a defense, it's sauce, it's coaching, it's whatever, you know, New York grittiness, and, you know, whatever. We have this quarterback, too, who passes for, like, 100 yards a game. <laughs> um, so, so I wouldn't worry. That's the problem, right? There's no fantasy goodness to go around with Zach Wilson there. Um Maybe that'll open up a bit here, but I think it's more interesting what will happen in that backfield now with James Robinson being there. And for me, I don't know what your take is on this. My take is I think Michael Carter should get more of the workload, should be more of the feature back, might be better just overall than James Robinson. But James coaches love James Robinson. They love this guy. So my prediction, though, is that Robinson will get more work than Carter and they'll both be kind of useless. What do you think? I think you're right. It could be more so of a 50-50 thing that when Carter gets the receiving work, which will obviously make him the more fantasy-friendly option of the group. Because to be fair, Michael Carter last year, I stuck up for him a lot. I mean, again, he really did have the yards after contact and missed tackle force numbers of college teammate on North Carolina, Javante Williams. We just kind of ignored Michael Carter because Brees Hall was there. and We wanted Brees Hall to do his thing. This year, though, man, just 3.4 yards per carry, 2.4 after contact in an offense where obviously Brees Hall was making much more out of the uh, opportunities he was given. Look, I don't want to yeah. say I spoke this into existence, Kevin, but, you know, I said some pretty damning stats about James Robinson last week. Don't need to get into all those quite that heavy again. But, yeah, he's been bad this year, bad at being asked to do the things that you expect him to be really good at, consistently getting yards after contact, having a high success rate, you know, not getting stuffed and stuff behind the line of scrimmage time and time again. Where it isn't close is in the passing game. Carter, 1.26 yards for outrun versus .53. We even saw him bust a big play last week. I mean, the guy is explosive out there. That said, you know, six was well, a seventh round pick that can turn into a six, not the most investment in the world, but at the same time, they still did have Ty Johnson. You know, there's other guys on the waiver wire and they wanted to go get James Robinson. So I don't want to start either this week. I 
who I think is going to win by the end of the year. Michael Carter, that said, like once the bye weeks are over, Kevin, I still don't even know if Michael Carter is going to be cracking the top 24. Because guess what? This offense, to your previous point about Zach Wilson, has been really bad. It's not that he's been okay. I Look, I would love, believe me, if I can find a stat that says Zach Wilson is good, I'll be the first one to tell you guys. But pick one, anyone. PFF passing grade, 35th among 39 quarterbacks, 36 in QB rating, 22nd yards per attempt. I mean, his turnover-worthy play rate is the third highest in the league, and his big-time throw rate is bottom 10, too. We're not even getting the Drew Locke experience here, Kevin. Yeah, we do yeah there are no explosive some. plays. Brees Hall was producing all of the explosive plays for the offense, and you know, James Robinson, I know he had a couple of 30 yard rushes, as we mentioned that you shouldn't really expect those going forward. You know, James Robinson is not necessarily going to be producing those. Those also, I mean, I, I'm definitely leaning Carter there, What Carter needs to do is he's one of these guys who breaks a lot of tackles, but then doesn't necessarily do a whole lot after breaking the tackle. So that's what we need from him. He's not the fastest guy, but he need, he could produce a little bit more in that area. Four and three, third place Dolphins. We got Tua coming off the not one, not two, not three, four dropped interceptions Sunday night performance. Made me go ahead, go into our handy dandy PFF statistics, take every quarterback's interceptions and their dropped interceptions. Yes, we track those. How can you do it? You watch the freaking film. That's all. We get kind of accused as like not watching the film. That's what actually builds this, everybody. This year, dropped interceptions. Yes, a little bit subjective, but. Let's just, I'd, I'd like to live in a world where we can do more than just talk about passing and rushing yards all day. So we are going to play this game. This year, Tua has 10 combined interceptions and dropped interceptions on 150 pass attempts. Goff has 10 on 212. Matt Ryan, 10 on 297. Matthew Stafford, 11 on 225. So those are the only four quarterbacks with double digit combined interceptions and dropped interceptions. I will give Tua a little bit of credit because he's got the 9.2 yard average target theft. He's being aggressive with this, which again, I appreciate. That said, Kevin, for someone who Tyreek Hill called the most accurate QB, you know, alive or whatever the hell the offseason quote was, it's not great, man. And as awesome as this offense has looked at times, like seriously, their first drives are up there with absolutely anyone in terms of them looking like they're about to win by 50. Haven't seen prolonged stretches of it, really. And we have seen some prolonged stretches of them struggling. So do you think Tua is still just, hey, it's it's really only his third or fourth game still in this new offense. Just some growing pains here. Or is this something that we should actually be worrying about? Why is he leading the league? And again, close to leading the league in some of these turnover-worthy type plays. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so worried about the turnover-worthy plays when it comes to fantasy. It's more of a real-world issue there. Those will probably come around, but... Again, it's not necessarily bad if it's going to cause them to pass more going forward. I think really, let's just look at the schedule. They got the Lions. They got the Bears, who are maybe a little bit better. They got the Browns, who are you know enthused to give up big plays a lot. So pretty good. I think some fantasy goodness coming from them. I'm excited about that. I'm excited that Raheem Mostert is taking over the backfield there. And... Yeah, you know, you may only have a couple of weeks before he's, you know, out for the season or, or something. Why like is that. he? He's been returning kicks all year. Yeah, I noticed that. I saw that. I saw that. Like, I think it was the opening kickoff, and I was like, "What is happening?" I mean, he is a great kick return, like sure. attribute sort of guy with that speed. At the same time, Lord, like, can we throw someone else out there, like Trent Sherfield or someone? Can we get him out there returning kicks? But he ran seventy-one percent of routes here to only 29% for Edmonds. So Edmonds is really giving you nothing at this point. And I think in these matchups, like Mostert's kind of startable, like against the Lions and some, and some other teams. So you should be happy if you have him on your, on your squad. Absolutely. Lions third worst defense and PPR points per game allowed the running backs. Mostert over these past four weeks, 17 touches, 19 touches, 15 and 20. Looking good out there. I mean, we even had uh, our guy, Chris Collins, we're talking about like the one catch he made, like legit hands out there looking like a receiver. Yeah, he dropped the, I don't even want to call it a drop. Mika Fitzpatrick uh, took his freaking head off. So not going to blame him too much for that. But yes, cozy matchup. Lions still, that was goal line target, right? That was a target at the one yard line. We'll take that. Absolutely. Again, Lions 32nd ranked scoring defense. Only the Bills are implied to score more points than the Dolphins this week. So couldn't agree more. Raheem Mostert, get him in starting lineups of most shapes and sizes. Obviously, Tyreek Waddle will continue to fire up them. Wouldn't be surprised if Tua flirts with the big game as well. What about Mike Jasicki? Slowly but surely getting out there, finally playing consistently over half of the offensive snaps. Back-to-back games with seven targets. He's starting the gritty movement. Can we finally get behind Jasicki a little bit? Because once again, I mean, we every single year we make it there out to be 20 25 viable tight ends and we were getting some full-time guys but the joku's hurt now daniel bellinger's hurt now thoughts on mike to being someone that we can actually squeeze inside maybe the top 12 sooner rather than later 
Yeah, I mean, inside the top 12, I agree. But, you know, what what does that mean, right? <laughs> what do we come to when it comes to tight ends? Yeah, I think it's like he you have the ability to play him. That's that's where we're checking. We're putting him in that category. Whereas that was a question, right? Early in the season, what we would what we would see now. And that's that's where he's gonna sit probably for the rest of the year. Um, it just, you know, if you get a bagel at some point or you get a low output game at some point, you shouldn't be surprised by that. New England Patriots, last place Patriots, three and four. This week they're facing the Jets in New York, and still the Patriots are favored by one and a half game total. Lowly 40 and a half. What the hell is going on with this QB situation? That seemed like Mac Jones got benched for bad performance, and we can talk about the ankle or how that was the plan all we want, but then the second half plan changed. And just what the hell is going on here, Kevin? Because as much as Bailey Zappi has been fine out there, Mac Jones, he's a first-round pick on the guy. He takes you to the playoffs year one and two. We talked about kind of the struggles early on, but then he plays that Ravens game where he originally got hurt and was actually starting to make some big plays. Three drives, and we're done after Bailey Zappi beats, what, Jacoby Brissett and got another kind of layup win throw in there. Thoughts on this situation? It seems very odd to me, and I feel like if any coach other than Bill Belichick was doing it, we'd be a lot more critical. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on. I'm just trying to think about it logically. If they really... I don't doubt that there may have been a plan to go back to Jones at some point, but you just couldn't do it, right? You could not do it. I know that Zappi fell apart in the last couple of drives, but prior to that, if you would have gone back to Jones, he legitimately was going to get booed coming out on the, on the, on the field. And that's not something that you would want to do. Um, I don't know. Like my only logical explanation is Bill Belichick is, testing out a quarterback change honestly like he maybe they see something in practice they see something else that they're they're going for there's more of a lack of belief in Jones than I would have thought for a guy who was really really good on 650 dropbacks versus being meh on like 100 dropbacks so far this season I don't know that's the only thing logically I can think of because we saw him moving around we saw him scramble a couple of times it wasn't like he was so compromised there'd be any reason and teams just don't do that, right? And it's not even two styles of quarterbacks we're talking about here. The guys look exactly the same. If you see their headshots next to each other, they look like a slightly different, like cloned version of Mac Jones for for Bailey Zappi. So I don't I don't get it other than the fact that they're seriously considering a change of quarterback. And I'm not here to hate on Zappi. I think Aikman said right in the broadcast, he's a smart guy. He takes what's there, makes the right decision. You hit Ramondre Stevenson when he's the uncovered guy. He gains 20 yards. Hey, those 20 yards count the same as, you know, Drew Locke trying to do Drew Locke things and zipping it in to coverage. I've already, you know, probably beat any podcast with Drew Locke references here in the first 17 minutes. Uh, We'll see how many more we can get along the way. But unfortunately with this, I mean, Jacoby Myers is really the only wide receiver I'm going to take a big look at. Scored. Not one, two touchdowns already this year. It's not even November yet. The year of Jacoby Myers, maybe, just maybe, gotta love that. And then the backfield, man, even in a game with Damon Harris back, it really was still the Ramondre Stevenson takeover. All right, fine. All right, I was wrong on Ramondre Stevenson. Kevin, are you happy? I'll take my L. The guy's really freaking good. Damon Harris back first game, and Stevenson still takes a 77% snaps, 11 carries, and eight targets. I guess it's one of those things where talent, we do see quote unquote, not talented running backs went out, but if there is a cheap running back with a lot of steps, a lot of things that need to happen for him to get out there. But if we knew that he had that three down high upside ability, which I think there were enough signs last year and into this kind of off season for it to be that Stevenson was a really, really good target there in the late, you know, seventh, eighth round range where he was really going. You happy, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I don't even know if he was a really good target, but he ended up paying off. He's big and he can catch, right? Yeah. So if you're big and you can catch the ball, those are two uh, key elements. Let me just mention one thing on Jones, and this might be, maybe it's not even like the practice and everything else. Uh, you know, 5.8% interception rate, including another interception last night. Maybe that's as simple as it is. Maybe Belichick's like, I've had enough of this. Like, I do not want a, my quarterback turning over the ball. Highest interception rate in the NFL so far this season. That could also be another part of it um but either way how they want to play is to run more to have their defense hopefully not be awful like they were (laughs) against against the bears and you're just not going to get a lot of excitement i don't think passing the ball in this offense so ramondre stevenson and those dump offs and everything else you can get he's like the one guy you're leaning on in this offense Still not, I'm not shoving them into the top eight, nine yet, because we have seen no, guys come no, back from injury. You can't have confidence. You still, as long as Damian Harris is active, I would not be confident. 
We'll say fully, I yeah. fully confident. We can be pretty confident though because you yes. didn't have even a questionable designation. You practiced in full throughout the week, so but not fully really confident. Good. Is my point, Belichick? Yeah. You never like I would not be fully confident. Okay, but you know, vast vast majority of anything yes. close to a start sit question, go ahead and just take. Oh yeah, you're starting him. You're yeah. starting him. But if if so, you know if Harris suddenly they go some hot hand nonsense or something, it wouldn't shock me. Luckily, well, not luckily, we want everyone to be healthy, but Ty Montgomery reportedly also dealing with an upper body injury, so that return from IR does not look to be imminent at all. AFC North, first place, Baltimore Ravens sitting there at four and three. Thursday night football in Tampa Bay, Baltimore favored by one and a half on the road. Game total at a lowly and kind of a mid 45, at least for this year. So first three weeks of the year. Got my quarterback article I do every week. I try to do some catchy little headlines for each section. I had the La MVP thing going on. Why, why the hell not, Kevin? You know, he had freaking 12 total touchdowns in the first three weeks. You were tweeting about how he had just a bigger overall share of his offense than he even did in 2019. He looked fantastic out there. Now, in week one, he had three touchdowns. In week two, he had four touchdowns. In week three, he had five touchdowns. Ever since, he has three total touchdowns. What's going on with Lamar Jackson here? Is this somewhere he's been solved? Is this just a cold stretch? He has left a lot of throws out there on the field. As someone that does my weekly sheesh article, he's usually in there at least once or twice a week in terms of just not quite being accurate enough to get to his guy. Maybe just unlucky, maybe just a four-week stretch. I understand we're starting Lamar Jackson, but I guess the bigger question is, Kevin, like, are we getting back to 2019 anytime soon, or is 2020 to 2022 Lamar Jackson probably who we should be expecting to see more weeks than not moving forward? Yeah, it's probably, you know, somewhere somewhere in between, but clo- not as close to 2019 as to the last couple of years. It's been rough for, for Jackson. It's probably the most deceptive or one of the most deceptive performances if you look at, like, where he ranks on the season. If you look and you say, oh, he's been the QB4 so far this season. Yeah, but he hasn't been a top 10 quarterback in weeks now at this point. He wasn't even in the top 20 last week. He had nine completions in this last game. Mark Andrews. Had a bagel. I didn't think that was possible. Like, seriously, if you would have put in, like, realm, like, range of outcomes for Mark Andrews, I thought this was a, like, one percenter type of outcome, the way that this that this uh, passing game has been going so far this year. So, yeah, I'm worried. I'm a little bit worried about that. But at the same time, they're able to, you know, they're able to play pretty well. Um, stay ahead. So maybe they weren't as as worried about that. But it's it's a little concerning. In the backfield, they did get Gus Edwards back in action last week. He led the way with two touchdowns, 16 carries, just 37% snaps. Justice Hill and Kenyon Drake still very much involved. Look, I have Gus Edwards ranked RB23 right now. He's next to a bunch of other guys that are basically in the same category. We have nothing really going for them in the passing game, but we should see 15 to 20 carries more weeks than not. That is valuable. I don't really think he's a must-start fantasy option, though, especially against this top six defense in terms of PPR points per game allowed to opposing running backs. And the problem is, man, you look at Greg Roman's history in this offense, they always use committees. I don't think this is something that's necessarily going to grow as the weeks go on. I think what we saw last week is probably going to be what we see more weeks than not from Gus Edwards. Fair assessment for the guy? Yeah, but I think we have some upside because he's coming back from injury, right? It's his first game back. It's a short week, so maybe not this week. We'll see him necessarily step forward greatly as far as his usage, but there is some potential for that. Uh, Justice Hill, we had a fumble, I think, from Justice Hill last week. I think Gus is a better runner. Kenyon Drake is Kenyon Drake. I mean, who knows what will end up happening to him. And he got all of their attempts inside the five, and if that continues, to be honest, I've never been that high on J.K. Dobbins because I've never been that high on the Ravens backfield. Generally, if there is one place where you can get fantasy scoring while it will be choppy throughout the season, it probably is just getting touchdowns. So if Gus Edwards can secure that and then get the early down work, it's not a bad spot to be. Cincinnati Bengals battle of Ohio here on Monday night football in Cleveland Bengals favored by three and a half game total at 47 Bengals, man, slow start in the season, but Joe Burrow back to back overall fantasy QB one finishes last eight quarters, six, I'm sorry, 781 yards and six touchdowns. And the guys even racked up 45 rushing yards and a pair of scores on the ground looks way better moving this year than last year makes sense. Second year removed from a major knee injury. That was low key and the nice strength of his at LSU. No one's comparing him to RG3 or anyone like that, but, I mean, he did fit the mold that we look for in successful rookie quarterbacks averaging at least 25 rushing yards per game in college. So, Chase, Boyd, Higgins. This offense is loaded, Kevin, and I guess the question is, like, what took so long for them to look this good? And the way they're moving right now, I mean, 
again, after that Chiefs Bills tier, like are the Bengals the next most likely team out of the AFC, you think, to challenge them? That's sure what happened last year. Yeah, in some ways, I think they're a better team this year than they were last year. If you look at the defense, the defense came on in the second half of last year and through the playoffs. They've been solid the entire year. Not the greatest competition, but still very solid throughout this year. And at least we're getting this now transition starting in week six, where we're really going full born. 20% over expectation pass rate the last two weeks. Every single snap other than a sneak and a kneel was in shotgun last week. This week, there were a handful of snaps that were outside of shotgun, but most of those came within their opponent's three or within their own three where they were trying to get out from under the, under the end zone and a sneak and some other stuff there. Joe Burrow, uh, quarterback draw was called on, on one play. He is definitely using his legs. He got the sneak touchdown, so they're using him in that capacity. A lot of goodness to go around on this offense. Now you're not going to get the type of outcomes we've seen the last two weeks, but at least we can push this going forward. And I just think it's weird that we have this deja vu from last season where they transition over. It's just funny how much coaches, they like want to play a certain way. They're like, okay, my ideal way to play, run the ball effectively, play defense, make everything easier for the quarterback that way. And then guess what? It's still not a high likelihood that all those things are going to go right. And then once you figure that out, you switch over to, hey, maybe it's good to throw the ball with Burrow a ton. And they were up early and they were still throwing the ball a ton. I think that is very encouraging for the offense going forward to feed all of these different weapons. Because even when you have Tyler Boyd go off, you'd assume there's not going to be enough for everyone else to go around. But if Burrow is throwing enough, you can get that. Again, it's more so about that usage. Like the Boyd touchdown, um, I think I think Robert Mays like clipped the all twenty two hundred. Like safety just got, turf monster just grabbed him. Like come on, like that's gonna happen sometimes. You yeah. look at that Falcons uh, defensive backfield. I mean, AJ Terrell was out with a hamstring injury before halftime. Casey Hayward's on IR. D. Alford, Mike Ford, Jalen Hawkins, injuries all over the place. And before that, they face another banged up Saints secondary that hasn't been all that good. So. The actual performance isn't something that we're freaking out about. We already knew these guys were really good. It's just the fact that now getting all that pass game volume, awesome for everyone moving forward. This is your weekly reminder that Joe Mixon remains the RB1 expected PPR points per game and should continue to see much bigger days ahead. And yeah, man, honestly, we have Joe Burrow. You're starting him. Chase Higgins, Mixon, Hayden Hurst is looking like a top 12 tight end. Tyler Boyd, when you're involved in this offense, can have those boom weeks. So pretty straightforward there. Moving on to their opponent. Again, the two and five Cleveland Browns. Three and a half point home dogs this Monday night. Jacoby Brissett, he did have some nice throws last week. I mean, that touchdown to Amari Cooper, I didn't think that OPI was nearly as great. Marcus Peters acted like, you know, Cooper took his firstborn child out there. I, I don't know, man. I thought it looked like a veteran move to me. Whatever. Good ball from Jacoby. He had another nice dime down the sideline to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Did take five sacks, though. That just seems to be... Honestly, like when I watched Jacoby and Geno Smith, and Geno's been way better than Jacoby, obviously, uh, overall this year. But you see real flashes from both guys throughout the game. But then it's just sometimes like just no awareness when they got those blindside rushers coming in. You know, I can only imagine what it's like being in that situation, obviously. But with Jacoby, he did start well this year. Like, I guess the question is, what do you think the Browns, again, two and five, what would their record be with Deshaun Watson? Like, how different, how much better do you think this offense is going to be here? And as we get closer, what, four more weeks? Yeah, I think it would be a lot better, honestly, only because I think they've been in a lot of these games and they've been close enough where a little, you know, even if Deshaun Watson's performance over Brissett, who was playing pretty well to start the season, even if it was marginally better, let's say that could have been enough to flip a couple of those losses to wins. And then the last two weeks. You know, the real uh, Jacoby Brissett, please stand up. It's happened the last, the last couple of weeks when it comes to sacks. He had an 8% sack rate last week. He had a 15% sack rate this week. That's what Brissett does. He takes sacks. Um, you just don't want those to turn into strip sacks for offensively when you're talking about the Browns and their chance to win. And that's what's bad there. And, you know, I wouldn't say the real Nick Chubb standing up the last couple of weeks, but the downside, the floor case for Nick Chubb is standing up the last couple of weeks, which we knew would come of, uh, uh, eventually. Again, he's, he's going to regress to a high efficiency type of player with the touches that he gets. He's not going to go back to a league average type of player, but this is well within the range of outcomes, what we've seen the last couple of weeks and should have been expected. I want to see how this backfield is going to play out. I don't know at two and five with, um, Watson coming back, if you can like put a fork in the season for the Browns and say we're going to trade Kareem Hunt or Ernest Johnson. But I, I look to see what the compensation is potentially out there because there are some running back needy teams 
but maybe the fact that McCaffrey's already moved and Robinson's already moved has taken away kind of a, a bidding t- sort of situation. To Kevin's previous point about them being in a lot of these games, yeah, that one point loss to the Jets, where I think their win probability was pretty close. To that was insane. Like that was the least probable win of the season by far. Probably the least probable win over multiple seasons. Falcons three point loss, Chargers two point loss. That was another one that really should have been in the bag, regardless of who was under center. And then obviously the Ravens three point loss last week. Patriots are really the only team to really take it to the Cleveland Browns this year. Uh, in regards to Kareem Hunt, problem with him this year, man, maybe. Is he just getting a little older? He hasn't been the same guy. You look at, again, any stat, PFF rushing grade, 37th among, among 42 backs, 32nd yards per carry, tied for 24th yards after contact, and 28th in missed tackles force per carry. I mean, the hilariousness last year was like he looked at the top 10 and all these tackle-breaking stats, and you would see Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Dearness Johnson all there. It's like, what the hell are they putting in a Gatorade cooler in Cleveland? And yeah, Kareem Hunt has been getting as many opportunities in the passing game, just 2.7 targets per game. But, you know, the last two years, he's only really been at 3.4 and 3.2. I'm not blaming it all on him. I mean, I saw those back-to-back plays where I think it was uh, Queen from the Ravens just completely blowing him up the second he touched the ball. So you can also say some things about the offensive line. That said, Nick Chubb is keeping on, keeping on that high-end efficiency. Kareem Hunt is not. So I do think right now, Kareem Hunt, I will be answering most start sick questions with a sit, especially ahead of this tough matchup. Thoughts on Amari Cooper here. I do think he's going to see some uh, shadow coverage from Cheeto Awuzie, a top 20 quarter from the fine folks at PFF. One of those things where I think he's a perfectly fine, you know, low-end wide receiver too. When Watson is in there, he'll be an every week starter. But Maybe David Njoku being out is going to be better here for Amari Cooper. How are you feeling about his matchup this week? Yeah, it's just going to be like there's there's a low floor, but there's a potential to make big plays. And he's good. He's like a good player. Oh, yeah. He gets open. As you mentioned, like if he had that touchdown last week, if that didn't call, get called back, even on relatively low target usage, he would have had a big game and it would have been okay. And he would have solidified, you know, his pretty high standing so far on the season. So I'm fine. You're probably starting him through buys for sure, unless you're completely stacked at wide receiver and you can feel okay about doing that. And the one thing about Kareem Hunt is the whole broken tackle thing. Like he's just not an explosive running back. He lived on broken tackles going all the way back to college. So if he's not getting those broken tackles yeah, you're not going to get any efficiency on the ground from him. Last place, Pittsburgh Steelers sitting there at two and five. This week, they're in Philly. Philly seven-point favorites game total at 43 and a half. So since Kenny Pickett has gotten into action, he comes in the second half against, as we found out, a very good Jets team. Next week in Buffalo, good freaking luck. Next week, home against the Buccaneers. That's not exactly an easy matchup, and he gets hurt shortly into it. And then last week in Miami, in a rainstorm against a defense that's you know, notorious for sending a lot of blitzes and making life difficult. So not exactly four layups to start the season. Again, this is the only thing that can get annoying with guys like Kenny Pickett, like Justin Fields. You know, you want to give the guy, you know, your Mr. Trubisky or whoever a chance to go out there and play with the starting job that was allegedly his. But I just feel like you set yourself back a couple of weeks when you make the quarterback switch in week four instead of just when the season starts or, or whatever. So overall thoughts on Kenny Pickett because he has had some rough matchups. They have a week nine bye coming up again. This is another tough matchup here against the Eagles. And we said this back in week four when this happened, like this was not something that we're surprised that Pickett struggled with this stretch. Do you see this passing game kind of taking a nice little leap following their week nine by? I mean, a leap. I, I see it getting better for sure. A step, it, can't, a step. <laughs> it can't get much better. I mean, it can't get much worse. So I see, I see it getting better. Lots of interceptions from Pickett. He does play like maybe there's an analogy to like a Taylor Heineke sort of situation here where it can be good for fantasy that he's, that he's risking things. It's just right now, they're just really inefficient with what's going on. I mean, you look at players like Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is the lowest yards per target in the NFL right now, and he's getting open. So I don't think that's necessarily the issue. I think some of that's going to come back around, but he's willing to throw the ball down the field. He's willing to throw the ball into spaces where he could get intercepted. Um, So hopefully they'll allow him to do that. And there could be some fantasy goodness, especially in PPR going forward. But like you're saying, the schedule has made it difficult to evaluate him so far. We have a bye coming up after this next week. So that's when we're really going to see his potential down the stretch this season. You talked about when you take away Kareem Hunt's tackle-breaking ability, you end up with a pretty bad running back. I think we're kind of seeing that with Najee Harris as well. Tied for 22nd among 42 backs and missed tackles for us for carry, but 38th in PFF rushing grade. 
41st in yards per carry, 34th in yards after contact per carry. So, look, he has looked better over these past two weeks. He had a nice uh, reception in this past week where he broke two or three tackles on his way to getting the first down. That said, man, even in the receiving game, he's 32nd among 36 running backs in yards per route run. So, I get it. Team sport, below average offensive line, quarterback line isn't uh, quarterback play hasn't been great. That said, man, Saquon Barkley's making good out of a not great offense. I know the play calling's better. Like, the big issue for Najee this year has been the workload. Last year, only Derrick Henry averaged more expected PPR points per game than him. He's still the RB17 expected PPR points per game, though. So, man, I guess it's just like, this is this is it. I'm waiting to see more out of Najee, but I don't know if it's even going to be there, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, again, you're just going to have to choose based upon matchup, I think, later on in the season, where you have some more favorable matchups and you could potentially get in the end zone. But... You know, even on the even on the broadcast, Chris was like Jalen Warren. Everyone loves this guy. Something about this guy. He's like a, he's like a James Robinson ish or so. Like everyone loves this dude, the undrafted player. So he's going to be there and he's going to be around. And as long as someone else is around and like there's another body taking carries in this offense, then it's tough. It's tough for Najee Harris. Najee or Gus Edwards. Mm, Najee, I guess, but whatever. I don't know. I'm not like in love with it. <laughs> Agreed. Not <laughs> Najee or Michael Carter. Najee, I guess. Najee. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe this week Michael Carter, but I just don't. James Robs. I no. I, whatever. I'll say Najee. That's a, a couple sad questions. That just tells you guys where we're at there with Najee yeah. Harris. First place streaking four straight wins for your Tennessee Titans sitting there at four and two. Got the great video of you know Mike Vrabel talking to his center Ben Jones after the game. Just you know. When, when you go through a program like Ohio State, Kevin, it just brings out the best in you. That's just the only thing I can say about Mike Vrabel right there. But, hey, man, it's wild that this team loses A.J. Brown. They don't bring you know, the, 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 the replacement for him. Traylon Burks comes in. He's not really being used all that much, and then he gets hurt. They just keep on winning. And I know they're not the most impressive. It's Ryan Tannehill usually taking care of the ball, and Derrick Henry four straight games now with 130-plus total yards. This is still the only offense in the NFL. The entire wide receiver room doesn't even have one top 24 fantasy week. And, okay, what if you, even if you don't care about fantasy football, all that means is that none of these wide receivers have had even one really productive game just in terms of counting numbers. So, like, Mike Vrabel, coach of the year, I know we're all talking about Brian Dable right now, but I just think that, man, you just keep going through this, and this guy keeps winning no matter what kind of he gets put in front of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know there are like multiple Coach of the Year awards, but I think Vrabel was Coach of the Year last year, so they probably aren't gonna aren't gonna double dip on a type of award like that. But the thing you're getting here is like even against teams where the defenses and matchups where the defenses are not great for the the Titans, like they just don't throw the ball at all. They dropped back to pass 22 times last week. There's 20 total pass attempts, and even those pass attempts. Uh, it was under six yards per attempt. They're averaging there. So there's just nothing to go around here. And you look at the schedule, we have the Texans coming up here. So that's probably going to be a ton of Derrick Henry. Again, the big dog shoving it to everyone who's going to want to assumes he's going to, you know, regress and doesn't have that passing game work, which he's actually continues to get some targets and be somewhat efficient with his release on a routes run basis. But then you have the chiefs and the Broncos and some Packers and the Bengals and some tougher defenses after that. But this week just sets up for another great uh, Derrick Henry week. He is on pace to catch 37 passes this year. And yeah, it doesn't sound like that much. He's never even had 20 in a regular season before. So again, no one's confusing him with Eckler. But yeah, you get the big dog in space. Good things are going to happen. Texans league worst defense in PPR points per game allowed the position. Henry Henry didn't get, play, didn't get to play Houston last year. They had both those games in the second half. But going back to 2020 and 2019, his last three games against Houston, 211 rushing yards, three touchdowns, 212 and two touchdowns, 250 and two touchdowns. This guy has three straight games with over 200 yards and multi-touchdowns against his defense. Some might say Kings stay, Kings stay Kings. Second place Colts somehow three, three and one right now facing Washington in the three point favorites game total at 40. That whole rollout of Matt Ryan getting benched was just, my brain was in a pretzel with that all going on. Kevin first, it's just Matt Ryan getting benched. And then it's like, wait, he's got a shoulder injury. Like what happened here? The Frank Reich just roll up into the trainer's room. Matt's like, they're popping his shoulder back into place. You know, Reich puts his hand on his back. Hey man, it's going to be okay. By the way, we're rolling with Ellinger moving forward. Like just the whole thing has been wild. I know I saw you tweeting about just, 
looking at the dead cap kind of evolve of Matt Ryan. I mean, Frank Reich is basically throwing his last, you know, kind of life vest, his last little, you know, buoy, whatever the hell I'm trying to say here. Sam Ellinger needs to save kind of this current regime's jobs in these last uh, eight, nine games of the season. Do you think he has any chance of hell of doing so? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, it sounds like the reporting here, and this is some, there's some article by Zach Kiefer over at, over the athletic, where we're just talking about the decision, which I think is, was a little weird as far as how it was rolled. I mean, Ryan's been, been awful. Let's not get it wrong, but we're talking about San Ellinger here, right? So um, it sounds like Jim Irsay, the owner was getting in their ear about it. And it sounded like the Carson Wentz trade was also like Irsay was like, I don't want to say he, 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 he didn't, like Ballard and Reich were not behind that decision, but it also sounded like he was like, it made him want to throw up even looking at Carson Wentz <laughs> at the end of that season. So I don't know. I don't Kevin, know. Kevin, no, no, that was actually Reggie Wayne uh, looking at Matt Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, forgot, I forgot about that. Um, so I don't know. That's what sounds like it might be part of it. It would not shock me at all if they turned back to Ryan at some part during the season, but who knows, who knows what's going on. The funny thing is like you mentioned, they're still in second place. They have lost twice now to the Titans. It's weird how they sandwich these games together. Like over the last three weeks, they played each other a couple of times and two L's there, which is going to make it tough for them to win the division, but not completely out of it. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a total shit show over there and they can't run the ball either. Um, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I think it's like for Pittman, this can't be good. He's not going to be getting feasted on with targets. Uh, I might have to, I was going to come close to having to uh, take an L slash capitulate on Paris Campbell, who I said was completely worthless and was just wind sprint master. He had been getting out there and starting to do some things recently. So as far as bad as that and inefficient as that offense had been, Jonathan Taylor, the ship has sailed on that one. So at least they're passing it a ton in PPR to get for them some of these receivers. And that might even be over now. That's what I was about to say. This is the third most pass-happy offense in the league. I don't think that's – I could see him just morphing into the third most run-heavy offense in the league. Yeah, Taylor yeah. and Sam Ellinger, who, you know, you said last week that Taylor Heineke is like Brett Favre without any talent. Like Sam Ellinger might be Lamar Jackson. Not any talent. Let's not go that far. I don't want to put the wrong word in your mouth. But Sam without, without, without Brett – he play, plays like Brett Favre without, you know, close to Brett Favre talent. I'll say that, yeah. In his head. He's, 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 like, he's like VR – He's like virtual reality. Like when we're doing virtual reality and we're Brett Favre, that's how that, that's how I think Sam Heineke operates his his quarterbacking life. He's he's doing VR Brett Favre. Sam Ellinger, Lamar Jackson without speed. I mean, you look at the guys rushing numbers in college, and like this should be the guy that we're getting really excited about in fantasy. Like if we just didn't know this was Sam Ellinger, and I was like, hey. Uh, second-year quarterback, whatever, coming off the bench, 41 rushing yards per game in college, 33 scores on the ground in four years, does run a 4.89, uh, you know, second 40-yard dash. But, hey, we saw some of those dual-threat flashes throughout the 2022 preseason, had that, like, 40-yard rush for a touchdown. The guy wants to run the ball, and usually in fantasy, Kevin, that tends to be enough. Do you think there's something here? I know in 10, 12 teams, one quarterback leagues, you know, you're not really worrying about it, but I would certainly, and I'm sure people already have, but Superflex two QB leagues, I throw a flyer out there because he does seem to fit the archetype of a bad real life quarterback that can still be useful in fantasy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I was going to make a joke in, in three quarterback leagues. You can, you can <laughs> start him with confidence, but um <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I guess you should definitely have him. I don't know if I'd even start him in a two quarterback league. Well, I guess maybe a two buys two quarterback league. You could think about it. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's possible, right? It's possible that you can get some fantasy goodness. I am very dubious, though, on real life decision like this decision for the Colts, because um, if things don't go well this season, I think this is it for Ballard and for Reich. Um, I know there's a very close relationship with Irsay, so maybe they, they can survive because of that, but I don't know. I, I feel like the you know, ninety-nine percent of owners would say, You've had your time, we're 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 starting over and moving on. And it's one of those things, look, I've said plenty of not slander. I pointed out a lot of bad stats that Matt Ryan put up all by himself this season. Hasn't only been on him, though. I mean, look, we were giving the guy some praise. He literally just won them that game pretty much against Jacksonville only two weeks ago. This is PFF's 27th ranked offensive line and pass blocking grade. I mean, that's been kind of the problem with Jonathan Taylor as well. When you look at the Frank Rock era, 
PFF team run blocking grades, second, second, third, ninth, 30th this season. They're not even averaging one yard before contact per carry. I mean, I saw the Tennessee Titans out there punking Quentin Nelson, Kevin. You know, all world just going to lay you out, you know, when you're not looking. Quentin Nelson out there, not been the same offensive line. I think that has low key arguably been the biggest problem facing this in the offense this season yeah i would say fire i mean you're, they're probably not available but fire up your commander's uh defense this week yeah absolutely big time third, sack potential big time turnover potential third place jacksonville jaguars at two and five this their game last week was one of the weirdest ones i've seen of the season they had so many chances to put up more points on the board and they just couldn't lawrence missed james robinson zay jones for potential touchdowns he also hit zay jones in the chest on a hail mary to lawrence's credit much better hail mary after that atrocity that looked like you know andrew luck post shoulder surgery uh the first time he tried it but last play of the game he hits christian kirk with a rope down to the one yard line made a big throw to extend the drive before that on you know a fourth and game pretty much so no, you see lucky. Passion. A little bit of luck. A little bit of, <laughs> a bit of luck on that one. That was where the defensive back didn't even know where the ball was because it was just like, wait a second, this is not even close to where the guy, to where the the receiver's going. Yeah. So go. <laughs> gamer, gamer, Kevin. But look, yes. it's it's just one of those things where again, I, I made the comparison once. I'm not trying to be a dick. This guy had some awesome years, but when I see Trevor Lawrence, there just does he's to me he's like a more athletic and just a more maybe some more arm talent version of Jared Goff because when everything is right like yeah you see the throws that made both of them number one overall picks at one time or another but I always feel like I'm wanting more out of it and again we've had a good game or two from both guys this season I just don't know if we're ever going to see Lawrence really make that leap. I know last week, I think you brought up the point that maybe there's not just going to be this, you know, quote unquote, generational prodigy quarterback out of this class. Overall returns on a growing sample size for Trevor Lawrence. We can't just keep blaming Urban Meyer, uh, Kevin. We've had seven weeks here now in the Doug Peterson era. Yeah, I mean, he's been he has been good, though, and efficient in a way where I think Peterson has put him in fantastic position to be successful in this offense. I know some people have complained about this is like, again, this is one of my pet peeves. Everyone always complains about not enough like downfield passing in every single offense. And it's like, no shit, man. Like if every team could just say, Oh, let's add 20 yard completions to our offense. They would like, they would try to do that, you know, but Lawrence is just not that accurate. He's, he just sails so many passes and that's the problem. Maybe there's some way to fix it. He can make some amazing throws sometimes. They're using his athleticism. He got another touchdown in this game. Um, failed on a fourth and inches, though. So that was another big one that was on the other side. And he's been good in fantasy. He's been good on a like efficiency EPA per play standpoint. But our grading, which grades throws a lot more than anything else, hates him this season. Absolutely hates him. And I think that's what's going to have to come together for him to be that next level player. And we just have not seen it so far. But let's, you know, we're burying the lead here. It's it's Travis Etienne season. Yeah. Okay. Buddy. Yeah, buddy. It's taken over. We've been talking about it. You and I, I would say, have been ahead of the curve when everyone was almost, you know, bending the knee to James Robinson after those first couple of weeks and being like, yeah, I guess we were wrong. James, not Robinson. here, Kevin, not, not here. here, not here. I was watching those games and I was like, I don't care that he's scoring 30 yard touchdowns. ETN has the juice. Okay. And, and he's shown that in this game, you know, don't fumble on the three on the three yard line next time, you know, but he was, he's taken over and, he, he's got juice for days. He's just, he's minute mate. Let's like literally, he is the man. Okay. I said it once, man. It looks like this dude was just born with that golden mushroom power up that we get in Mario Kart. He's just a freaking, he's electric back there. Jaguars, uh, again, 2021 first round pick. He's essentially a rookie out there after missing the whole year. Joins Khalil Herbert, Kenneth Walker, and Rashad Penny. Only running backs averaging at least six yards per carry. Pretty damn good. Yes, last week, 82% snaps, 14 carries, and five targets. Both Robinson and Jermichael Hasty completely out of the picture. If you're any running back on any team, the only time I can remember just ignoring an 80% plus uh, snap running back was Kalen Balaj on like that those that terrible Dolphins team a couple years ago. ETN, RB1, rest of the season. It's a great day to be great. And uh, yeah, you said last week, Kevin, like I was shitting on James Robinson. You know, just not shitting on him because again, it... I get it. Undrafted Achilles. Fantastic story. Love James Robinson. Hope he runs for 6,000 yards with the Jets. Bringing up a lot of bad stats. And you were like, my God, man, how much exposure do you have to Travis Etienne? 
it's it's been a good week for uh, Ian's fantasy teams over here. No, I think you were right. It was just like I felt like it was personal at that point. Yeah. Like that this guy's like you know stole your girlfriend or something like that. I mean, I don't know, but Jamichael Hasty. I think they kind of like what they've seen from him. I mean, he had a big rush there. Maybe they like Snoop Connor too, who hasn't have even had the chance to get in there. I think it's fine. I think it's always good. He's not a long term piece for you, James Robinson. Get a pick for him send him out of town and let's get etn top 10 rb season started per next gen stats etn second in the league in rushing yards over expectation per carry he is indeed good at football this week jaguars home against the broncos two and a half point favorites game total though lowly 39 and a half points so i want to give a quick shout out to our friends london though they love they're like a de facto home team in london oh it's london i forgot to note that so we got another nine love the jags in london this is true. Blake I'm not Walls. joking. It's like a real thing that they because they used to always send the Jags out there all the time because no one wanted to go to London, so they would take away their home games. They like take away all the Jaguars' home games and send them out there every year. So legit, they might be like they're not probably not the most popular franchise in London, but they're way more popular there. That it's like a, it, 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 this is probably like somewhat of a home game for them. Go ahead. Sorry. What was that awful like Mexico City game? I think it was like Cardinals and 49ers and both teams like were in a complete rut. Like it's just it's yeah. a pretty hilarious uh, habit for the NFL. Or just send like well, they did have like, rams uh chiefs in mexico city a number of years ago yeah. remember got delayed and everything else so yeah i mean mexico city makes so much more sense to actually put a football team rather than in london but they're infatuated with europe and they got germany and everything else you know later on this year sorry i'm now now we're way we're way off out of our depth here go ahead sleeper of the day quick shout out to our lovely sponsor at sleeper my favorite place to go play redraft uh fantasy dynasty fantasy whatever floats your boat just awesome customizable scoring and just abilities to make your league and whatever you want to do. But yes, Trevor Lawrence is going to be our bounce back player of the week, continuing to run. He's got that Jalen Hurts and I'm just, when you get to the two or three yard line, you know, running back, go take a seat, take a breather, man. Trevor Lawrence is going to bully his way into the end zone. So to Kevin's point, and I mean, Kevin has actually gone on the record. Uh, I'm just, you know, scrolling his Twitter all hours of the day, but hashtag our Jaguars, Doug Peterson, putting them in the right position. So yeah. Things- Didn't go for it at the end though. Fourth and five uh, of their own 30. I mean, that's a tough one. You would, he would have got crucified. That was like, so he didn't do that. Could have, but yeah, they really could not stop. Like the, 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 the Giants had no explosive plays, but they were just like, give me, give me four and a half, five yards every single time. They're going to put now, on now a show. I, I keep on interrupting you and going off on you. But anyway, go ahead. So put still on our Jaguars. I'm not, I'm not revoking the, our Jaguars. Okay, go ahead. You sure? You done? You done? Okay. Our Giants. Home game. Home game in London against these Denver Broncos. Trevor Lawrence, bounce back player of the week. All right. Your last place, one, four, and one Texans. You know, we're going to take a page out of Lovey Smith's book and only talk about Damian Pierce here. So, facing Tennessee this week, two point favorites. The Titans are game total out of lowly 40 and a half. So, I had someone in my mentions point out that you had a discussion on unexpected points, Kevin, about. Damian Pierce's missed tackles for us being a little bit more of a style thing than necessarily something that we should be completely crowning him as the next Marshawn Lynch for. He's really good, but you know what? We keep seeing all these rookie running backs be really good, and I'm starting to wonder, is this just the kind of thing we continuously run into where, yeah, the running backs that haven't taken 500, you know, freaking touches pounding at the NFL level are going to be players that are going to be more explosive and look, quote-unquote, better at football. So how much of Damian Pierce's success is him hey, yeah, the entire NFL missed on him and let this guy fall the fourth round. And how much of it is, hey, this guy's getting 20 touches per game and he does have a style that's a little bit more aesthetically pleasing to forcing forcing missed tackles. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I was having more of a general discussion, but Pierce was one of those guys where it's, it's on my radar to figure out how much we shouldn't be wowed by the broken tackles versus the actual production. Now, he did bust off a long run, this season right he had a run well i guess which one was like it? 70 it was, yards yeah he, yeah so he had a 70 he yard moved. run so he's up to four so he's you know 4.8 yards per carry so it's a, it's a solid number there but if you're gonna see like plot yards per carry versus broken tackles like it's still he's still the guy's broken tackles are off the charts it's not a nick chubb situation i guess yeah. i would say where i would expect like broken tackles to necessarily turn into long runs but hey we'll, we'll take it right we'll take what we get there he's definitely running with juice he's definitely breaking tackles this is not a trent Richardson situation it's just something to monitor about whether or not in this offense he can really be an efficient running back because he's not necessarily going to get the touchdown looks that he needs to in this offense. Also, Davis Mills, Mills Mafia, still reeling and struggling at this point. I don't think it's going to happen. 
yeah, it's not looking too good out there. To be fair, he did lose Nico Collins last week. It's not like they've just gone out of their way. That, to now I was him. actually upset about that. Yeah. There's potential like second order effects on that too. If they decide not to trade Brandon Cooks because they don't have Nico Collins, I was hoping that could happen. And Nico, who had been couldn't get in the end zone, but had been getting decent usage in recent weeks, could take over as the wide receiver one. That might have all got derailed here. To be fair, a little bit to them, they did try to obviously draft John Mechie in the second round. You know, they couldn't have predicted he was going to go down with leukemia. So continue to get better Mechie out there. But yeah, we'll see on that trade deadline. Reports have been Brandon Cooks could be out of town. They should still do it. They should still do it, even if Collins is out. But who knows? If he is still on the Texans this week, maybe they try to showcase him. That's a little risky, though. I will probably be answering most start sick questions with Cooks with the other guy. He is going to have a tough matchup against Christian with the K. Fulton Titans cornerback. Last year, held him just two catches for 18 scoreless yards held up pretty well against Terry McLaurin and Michael Pittman as well. This Titans defense, man, they got flamed by the Bills in week two. Saquon ran all over them in week one, but they really have settled down, looked a lot better here in recent weeks. So before we move on to the AFC West, want to give a couple shout outs to our sponsors. The PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day team up to understand needs and address goals with the game plan built just for you get started at westernsouthern.com slash pff also even though best ball mania has ended underdog fantasy is still the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season with their pick them game just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats pick whether you think they'll end up with higher or lower total than that number in this week's games and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players for your pick entry. Get all your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. So it's simple to get started. Just head on over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up for promo code PFF, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code PFF. Get in on the action today. Not on my ad sheet, but Underdog NFL. If you guys don't follow them and get notifications, you are missing out. Absolutely awesome news crew. Head up by my guy, Justin Fan, former PFF Savant Sosa, doing his thing as well there. So, you know, I'm always got my, uh, was I was uh, streaming a fight for some friends. I just had to keep flicking up my notifications because, uh, you know, I'm trying to watch two grown men in a cage fight each other, Kevin. That's just what I like of to course. do in my uh, spare time. But just constant goodness coming from Underdog NFL. And you really don't need to have another process for just getting news they have you covered don't be afraid to do that top two teams in the afc uh, hold on West. hold on excuse sorry, sorry oh big <laughs> news big news hold on we got some we got we got breaking news here we haven't discussed this team yet but we have discussed their opponent so um so this is from zach stevens uh who is denver broncos beat reporter for dnvr broncos he says that russell wilson um during you know press conference russell wilson russell wilson says that on the flight to London, he was working out and stretching for four of the eight hours from Denver to London. He says he was doing high knees in the aisle while the rest of the guys were asleep. So <laughs> just this is important information to put in to put into it. He's got the Wolverine blood. He'll be well stretched and ready to go for this matchup. Um, this is big. This is big. I think I'm moving Russell Wilson up at least like three or four spots in the rankings based upon this. High knees in the aisle? Like, was that just the last straw for some of his teammates? Like, they're trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. And they're I thought this was a fake account. Like, I thought this was, (laughs) you know, those, like, fake beat reporter accounts because he doesn't have a check or anything. But he's got 37,500 followers, and it says beat reporter on here. So I assume this is actually real. Oh, he also – Oh, this is double breaking news. Whoa. (laughs) This is is huge. This This might even be bigger than the first part of breaking news. He also, according to Zach Stevens, friend of the pod now, we'll call him Zach Stevens, <laughs> Russell Wilson ended his press conference with Broncos country, let's ride, after not saying it in wow. the last two press conferences, that two press conferences last week, he's back to let's ride. Hey, let's ride, man. Hey, this is the same guy, Kevin, lest we forget. Well, he didn't Pro- play last week, so maybe he couldn't like ride. He wasn't. He couldn't say Broncos country. Let's ride. If he wasn't going to be able to ride, but he's back to riding again this week. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's another meaning behind it. We're we're tracking all of this in the PFF analytics department, the research and development department. Don't worry, guys. If you guys really want to know what goes into the player grades, there's a lot. So yes, <laughs> yeah, remember this is the same it's guy. All, it's all part of our modeling process. They say, oh, you can't model that. We can do it. We can model the let's ride or the not let's ride. We can put that all into our models. 
same guy that claims he spent 19 or 20 hours a day working on rehabbing doing his this. Hand last year. <laughs> he's doing this for 19, 20 hours a day last when he's rehabbing his figure last uh, last year. Two teams on bias week, Chiefs and the Chargers sitting atop the AFC West. We'll be back to talking about them next week. We're third place, two and four Raiders. So kind of a funky team, man. They've got the W versus the Broncos and the Texans look good enough. They had a one-point loss to the Chiefs in there. Obviously, very competitive game there. We've also lost to Chargers, Cardinals, and Titans. Which team do you really think this is going to be moving forward? More so the one that we've seen be really competitive with the Chiefs and have this offense led by Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs doing his thing on the ground, or more so, hey, like Bill Parcells says, you are what your record says you are, and the record does say they are a pretty bad 2-14. and No, they're good. This is a good team. Okay, Giants versus Raiders on a neutral field. Who's favored in that game? Yeah, like Raiders by two and a half. Yeah, then they're not getting over three, but yeah, they're probably favored by a point or two at least. So I mean that that tells you they are a good team. I think I think they're actually a better team than they were last season when they went to the playoffs. Believe it or not, it's just sometimes you know things don't work out the way the way you're hoping it will. Um, that said, you know, like I'm not high on Derek Carr, who I've mentioned a few times. He's not like a playoff you know guy who's going to get you to the playoffs no matter what else ends up happening and they had this really tough schedule situation and a few games haven't gone their way again you have to be able to separate like what's happened from looking forward the whole power rankings thing like i can also sort the schedule by wins guys okay and build build the power rankings uh, and then move like guys up or down one slot to do that we can all do that but we have to think a little bit more critically about these teams and i think they're a pretty good team and what we've seen that in is like you can't be a bad offensive team and be putting up the numbers that josh jacobs is putting up no matter like what sort of usage you're getting right this is not like Najee Harris couldn't put up these numbers with that sort of usage for the Steelers last year. This is a good offense, and that's why a good offense with bell cow usage and you're playing well is absolutely insane. Josh Jacobs, the league winner, best fantasy pick this season so far. I don't think there's really a question about it. Don't want to, again, hurt myself, pat my own back. I did not recommend Josh Jacobs. I don't know if anyone recommended drafting Yeah, no one did. It was actually illegal. To do that in the <laughs> amongst fans, there's a pact. We did nothing you guys don't know behind the scene. Uh, like behind the scene, we all have a union that we all got together and we made it actually illegal to re- to to recommend Josh Jacobs this offseason. I did scream to buy low on the man after the first two weeks of the season. So we yes. will take that small W and just continue pressing. You could have done an Edwards Hilaire for Josh Jacobs <laughs> switch at some point. That would have been very profitable. The key is to just make so many takes that, you know, fancy receipts. <laughs> People just can't keep up. You're just on to the next yeah. uh, losing take before they can find the previous one. So really good thing with this offense, though, is the fact, one, they were good. And also it's just con- so condensed. We don't have to worry about it. We had Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs just throwing them each and every week. We can't get behind Hunter Renfro. The problem with that. That is, he's unfortunately the clear-cut number three wide receiver. They are not keeping him on two wide receiver sets. That is Mac Hollins. It goes a little bit against Josh McDaniel's past. I mean, he was kind of, this was some good research that uh, Joy McFarland did in the offseason, showing guys like Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, these kind of more slot wide receiver types. Also happened to be Caucasian, like Hunter Renfro, if you can put that together. And just, they were able to get on the field and play a lot more than what we've seen other slot receivers and offenses that just take them off the field for two tight ends or two running backs more times than not. Unfortunately, Mac Hollins, generational talent. You got to keep him out there ahead of Renfro. Only other thing I would add is with Darren Waller out with his hamstring injury. Foster Moreau came back from his own knee injury. 96% snap rate last week. So the Foster Moreau hype was a little bit out of control last year, but he can still be a top 15 even borderline uh, tight end one here, especially with, again, some of those injuries impacting the position. So Fossil Moreau, tight end needy teams, don't be afraid to go out and get him. And I think I forgot to mention Harrison Bryant's another guy uh, with Cleveland and Njoku out. He's another one of these tight ends where pretty talented in their own right. I mean, again, I say it every pod, Evan Silva's guy, at mother effing Mackie winner. We're talking with Harrison Bryant here. Uh, but yeah, two guys that won't be leaving the field too often, especially for Moreau in a passing game with some upside. Final team we're going to talk about, you know, Kevin already gave us the big news, but your last place, two and five Denver Broncos in Jacksonville this week, Jaguars, two and a half point favorites, just a lowly 39.5 game total. So let's say Broncos country starts riding, man. We start really getting going. What's that even look like at this point in time? Because this is the league's dead last ranked scoring offense. They have scored more than 16 points one time this year. That was when they just completely broke out with 23 points and a loss to the Raiders. So, 
what? If we could be top 20 by the end of the year, man, I'd be pretty psyched. It's sad. Cortland Sutton got really just big. You know, he got big brothered by Sauce Gardner for most of that game. Last week, Jerry Judy did make some nice plays, but he's been inconsistent. The backfield remains a complete mess. Like, I hope Russell Wilson can get to riding again, man. What happened? We'll see. I just want an average offense at this point because to this point, again, maybe the worst offense in the entire league. That's what the points say. Yeah, I mean, backfield is bad. Like, now we got Melvin Garth. Hopefully Melvin Gordon might get phased out, and then you'd have an idea of what can happen. So that's dust. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. I mean, if you got them, maybe you're forced to starting them and, and praying. And this is the state that we're at now where I would actually lead Broncos talk talking about Greg Dolchich. That's where, <laughs> that's where I would lead. If we're talking about fantasy relevance. That was actually relevance. my second bullet. Yeah. <laughs> if we're talking about fantasy relevance, I'd be like, okay, this guy has had two weeks. He's been tight end 11 and tight end seven. So you're like, let's ride. That's we're riding Greg Dolchich. That is the story of the 2022 Broncos fantasy season. I need a 30 for 30 on what the hell Alberto did. Like just to be a healthy scratch. Again, I <laughs> well, was not traded away fan too. So you figure that meant they liked Alberto. Maybe it just, maybe they just, I don't know that. Cause that was before they even drafted Dolchich. Right. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't again, know. I don't know what's I, going on. Yeah. I wasn't the guy screaming draft Alberto. I thought when he was going like round 16 or whatever, you need a second tight end. Okay, fine. Yeah. Go ahead. But you know, week one, he was their lead tight end. I don't think he played that terribly to just not be a healthy scratch. He does offer a different skill set than some of those other guys, but clearly Greg Dolchitz has taken that job. And it really was good to see last week a little bit more from him than just that one, you know, broken coverage touchdown out there. So yeah, Greg if Dolchich, he can keep this up, maybe there's like head and shoulders. If he can get in on some of that, uh, Troy, Paulo Amu, uh, Paulo Amu, I got the money there for head and shoulders. He looks like a great candidate. Hey, fantastic mustache, too. Can't forget that. Oh, All, right. All right, everyone. That's going to wrap up the AFC edition. If you enjoyed this, guess what? Kevin and I are going to take a five-minute break and then talk all things NFC. I'm going to stretch out. Right I'm going to stretch out and do some high knees in, the <laughs> in between. Just get some finger exercises going. We got to type all day, Kevin. Life is hard, as you brought up at the beginning of this episode. Let the people know what you got going on over at PFF.com. Yeah, so all the showdown content, Unexpected Points podcast that you mentioned. Actually, I had a pretty good pod last night with Sam Schwartzstein, who works over at Prime Video doing go. Their, their, yeah, doing their Thursday night stuff, talking about what he's learning over there. And we're also took on a modest task to just come up with a plan, a plan, a point by point plan to solve and fix NFL passing offenses. So we go, we go through a lot of that stuff there. That comes out three times a week. Quarterback rankings, uh, different fantasy ceilings and stack stuff that'll come out for DFS in the next couple of days. All the normal, all the normal shit, you know. Most things I do, Kevin, like I, I like to think I help a decent fantasy audience out there, but obviously I'm not making much of an impact like in the world or in football, like other than just kind of, you know, tweeting a bunch of bullshit that makes people laugh from time to time. But the one cool thing I got to do back in the day was when the XFL was coming back and starting, Sam was, you know, just at the front of all that really designing the rules and how they were going to do um everything with that. And I was working at Action Network and I actually got to talk to Sam about six months before the season started because I was the one sicko in the entire company that was just obsessed with the XFL already and trying to learn as much as I could about it. So I got to talk to Sam for like 30 minutes. I didn't know who he was at that point. And just my God, man, Stanford grad, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Uh, highest well, I mean, uh, uh, center offensive lineman yeah. with Andrew Luck there. Like, yeah, with his like resume and how smart the dude is. And I'm glad that he has this opportunity, but I'm like petitioning, um, prime to get him to be like the rules analyst type of guy to actually get him on some of these broadcasts and influence some more of that discussion maybe get him on that panel so it'll just be like you know (laughs) it'll just be all the football players and then him on there because he's got he's got like muscles and shit so he can like go on there and and actually you know uh put those guys uh you know he he could like block them up for a while if he if he needed to so uh, yeah I, i want he needs we need bigger things from sam so i'm always promoting him whenever i can oh he's fantastic and again i was I spent a good hour like just prepping for that call thinking I found all these holes in their league yeah. and stuff. And I was and Sam had like thought of like 99% of the things I already yeah. said, because of course he did. So Kings stay Kings as always. So make sure you guys check out unexpected points. And then of course I've got plenty of content at PFF.com myself. You guys already know that. So for Kevin, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF fantasy football podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.